Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. So we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 12. And then we're going to also look at Hebrews chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 24. So we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 12. Then the Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now if you'll skip with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And I want to read one more place. From Hebrews. These all died in faith. Talking about Abraham, talking about Sarah, talking about Isaac, talking about Jacob. Although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. You may be seated. I'm not sure why God laid this message on my heart this week. In fact, I've been struggling this morning on moving forward with it or just staying in the book of James chapter 2. But I'm going to move forward with this and believe that God has laid it upon my heart. Maybe if it's not for you, it's just for me today, and I'll be preaching to myself. But what we've read here in Genesis and then in Hebrews chapter 11 is that God made a promise to a man named Abraham. God told Abraham that I want you to leave your father's house and all of your relatives, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation, and your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore, as the stars in the sky. And anyone who, uh, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. And the Bible says that Abraham picked up his family, and he left. Now, notice in those directions that God did not tell Abraham where he was going. He simply told Abraham to leave his 
family, his relatives, his father, and go to the place that he would show him. So God made a promise to Abraham, but the promise was not completely revealed to Abraham, just that, the, that his descendants would be as numerous as the sea. And then later God revealed to Abraham that when he arrived to the land that God had showed him, the land of Canaan, which you will know as the promised land. Abraham set up roots in the land of Canaan. And when he became old, according to Genesis chapter 24, he wanted to find a wife for his daughter Isaac, or his son Isaac. And so he made his servant promise that he would not take a wife from the Canaanites, but that he would go back to his father's land and take a wife from his own people. And the servant said to him, well, Abraham, what if a woman, a daughter will not come back with me? And Abraham said, if a daughter does not come back with you, if a wife does not come back with you, that is suitable for Isaac, that wants to come and be with us here, then I relieve you of this vow. But whatever you do, don't let him return to my father's home. Whatever you do, do not allow Isaac to return home. And I do not know if I'm going to be able to articulate this the way that it is in my mind today because it's coming faster than I can speak it right now. But God made a promise to Abraham and he moved Abraham to the land of promise. But Abraham never saw his descendants be as numerous as the seashore, the sand on the seashore or the stars of the sky. Abraham was looking forward to a city, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, whose builder was, the foundations were laid by God himself. A permanent home to no longer be a nomad, to no longer be a traveler, to no longer be a pilgrim, but to have a permanent home. And that permanent home was going to be the promised land, the land of Canaan. Well, as you know, the Israelites were ended up being driven from that land because of famine and into the land of Egypt where they were enslaved for 400 years. And then after that 400-year period, God delivered them from Egypt and began the process of taking them to the promised land. But what's important here is, as the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that even though they did not receive the things that were promised, they saw them from a distance. So even though Abraham did not get to see the promise of God in its full fruition, he saw it from a distance. That's called faith. And it says that he greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now, those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland, meaning they're not content where they're at, but they want to go where God has for them to go. For if they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. And that's where I want to stop this morning.
If they thought about where they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. Abraham was so convinced that God had given him the land of Canaan that when it came time to find a, daughter, a, a woman for his son Isaac, a wife for his son Isaac, that he made a servant promise, do not allow my son to return to my family. He says, if a wife will not come to him, then it is better for him to remain here and be wifeless. Why? Because God had called Abraham out of the city of Ur, you are, and called him into the promise, the city of Canaan. And some of us need to remember that God is no longer in Ur, but God is in Canaan. Yes. God is not in your past. God is in your future promise. Yes. God is not resting in what you used to be and what you used to have and what you used to do and what you used to get involved in. God is resting in the future for the future promise that he has for you. And when God makes a promise to you, he will keep that promise even if you cannot see how. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Abraham was promised that his descendants would be more numerous than the, sea, uh, the sand on the seashore, the stars of the sky, and that all nations would be blessed through him. Yet in his old age, he did not have a son. His wife was well beyond bearing age, and she could not have children. She was barren and now she was old. Abraham was too old to father children, yet he knew the promise. And he was given a son named Isaac, and he was so faithful to God that Isaac was the one that the book of Hebrews tells us that he took Isaac to sacrifice him, believing full well that God could resurrect Isaac if he needed to. Yes. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us. That he took Isaac and was willing to sacrifice Isaac, believing that Isaac did so strongly in the promise of God. That God had gonna, was going to bless him and make his descendants a mighty nation. That even though he had one son named Isaac, who the promise was to be fulfilled through, he was willing to sacrifice that son, believing God had the power to raise him from the dead. That's conviction. Mm -hmm. That's faith. That's believing God and his promises. But you and I waver so many times when God makes a promise. Mm -hmm. We're like the nation of Israel. When God finally delivered them from Egypt to bring them into the promised land as that nation to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. When they were in the wilderness eating manna, they complained and wanted to go back to Egypt because they were tired of manna. Because at least in Egypt they had salt and pepper. That's essentially why they complained. At least we had ability to flavor the food the way that we liked it. They wanted leeks and garlic. They wanted condiments, spices, even though they were being fed from heaven, from God himself. 
through no effort of their own. They didn't have to build bricks. They didn't have to till the land. They didn't have to do anything. God merely provided it. But the Bible said that they grew weary and said, Let's, uh, I wish we could go back to Egypt. Wish we would, could go back to slavery. How many times do we unintentionally or maybe even intentionally return to slavery? Because we uh, don't have the faith, the patience, the perseverance to walk towards the promise that God has made to us. We want to go back. We return and willingly want to submit ourselves to slavery. Where we used to be. Where we were bound. Where we were not productive. Because we don't have the patience or the perseverance to wait for God to get us where he has for us to go. I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that recently. Where I have said to God, God, maybe it would be better if. Maybe it would have been better if I had not stepped out and done X, Y, and Z. Maybe it would have been better if. We had stayed where we were at. Maybe it would have been better if, 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 if. And almost in some ways I've had times where I long for the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I guess I'm the only one. No. Who longed for when I didn't have the pressures and the worry. When it was somebody else's problem whether the bills got paid or not. When it was somebody else's problem, who was in the pews and who wasn't in the pews. When it was somebody else's problem, I worried about my little piece and didn't care about the big picture. You ever had times like that? Where God made a promise to do something amazing, but you lacked the perseverance to move from Ur to Canaan? And when the nation of Israel refused to and wanted to go back to Egypt and return to Egypt, even though God had made the promise of the promised land to them, they ended up wandering for 40 years in the desert. He didn't let them go back to Egypt. He made them wander and punish them for 40 years in the desert. Now, even in the desert, even in the wilderness, God provided for them. For their shoes never wore out, their clothes never wore out, they grew with them. Don't ask me how that happened, but it did happen. He provided for their every need, water when they needed water. He provided food when they needed food. He provided everything that they needed. In spite of their constant complaining and whining, he still provided, but he made them wander in circles in the wilderness. And when you and I will not walk and faith towards the promise that God has for us. When we want to go back to Ur instead of Canaan, sometimes God's got to stop us in the middle and let us wander for a little bit. Wow. So that eventually we will want his promise more than we want to go back. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did with the nation of Israel. Honestly, I feel like in some ways that I've been wandering because I've questioned God's promises. When you question God's promises, you wander in circles. I used to play a video game years ago 
that if you continue to try to do fruitless actions in the video game, it would say you're just spinning your wheels. You ever get stuck in the snow and no matter how hard you hit the accelerator, your wheels just spin, right? Whether you're front wheel drive or, or rear wheel drive, you're stuck in the snow or you're on the ice or you found yourself in some sort of ditch and no matter how hard you push the accelerator, your vehicle will not move. The wheels just spin. Mm -hmm. Many times it's because people parked where they shouldn't have parked. Oh, that's a message right there. Amen. <laughs> they park their vehicle in dangerous territory and then wonder why they can't get their vehicle out. Kelly and I had an instance of this years ago where we went to Pennsylvania to visit her grandmother and they had had a ton of snow. And we pulled right up into a snowbank, parked our car, got out, and went into the house. Well, when it got time to leave, guess what? That car was front wheel drive and it wasn't moving. It was stuck in the snow. Now the snow was there. We made a conscious decision to pull into the snow because that's the only place there was to park. And we got stuck, and so I found myself at, I think, 10 o'clock at night that night, out there, just me and her, her in the car, me with a shovel, digging out, trying to get the car down, the front of the car down so it could touch gravel and get enough traction to get it out of the place where it was stuck. And it was just spinning its wheels. No matter how much Kelly pushed the gas, the car was just stuck there. Why? We made a conscious decision to park in a snowbank. Never make a conscious decision to park where God has told you not to park. Wow. To put down roots where God has told you not to put down roots. Never... Go to a place that God has not told you to go to. Because when you and I do that, we tend to get stuck. There are consequences for parking where God has told you not to go. And when you try to leave, when you're ready to move on, when you've had enough, it takes a whole lot of work and effort to pull yourself out of that place. And God will allow us to struggle and fight and become desperate until we call upon his name. We finally got out when I got over my pride and I asked her Uncle Joey for help. And we figured out with his help and some shovels, we dug the car down to get it so that it could get some traction. And we could push it enough with that traction to get it out of the snowbank. It took work, it took effort, it took swallowing my pride. Many times when we are walking towards the promise that God has for us, we must put aside our pride. Mm -hmm. That's right. The Bible says that the pride of a man goes before a fall mm -hmm. and a haughty spirit before destruction. Meaning man's pride leads him to failure. Man's pride will lead him to destruction. Pride will derail the plan that God has for you and the purpose that God has for you. If I'm so prideful that I do not and refuse to submit to the will of God in my life, then it will lead to destruction. 
It will lead to pain and hurt and suffering that I did not have to face, but I'm facing because I was prideful. It was taking too long. I couldn't persevere any longer. I wanted my salt and pepper for my food. I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it right then. And when I didn't get it, I became prideful and arrogant and said, God, you're taking too long. I'm going to do it my way. And I park my vehicle, make my stand, and get stuck. And then it takes a breaking of one's pride to get unstuck. God cannot work with a prideful heart. Wow. He cannot work with an arrogant spirit. Why? Because he's got to be number one, yes. no matter what. Right. And when you and I are filled with pride, we've elevated ourselves to number one. Yes. When we have a haughty spirit, we've made ourselves number one, and we've placed ourselves above God. And God will not place second place even to you. And so he has to break our pride, bring us down to where we will call upon him, confess our sin, and say, God, I believe in you. Yes. Don't look back to where things used to be but look forward to where God has for you to be. And if things do not look like they're opening up right now, the Bible says that every one of them, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, their families, they all died but never quit believing in the promise. They still haven't seen the ultimate fruition of that promise. That promise will not be fulfilled until Jesus Christ returns again and sets up his full kingdom. So the promise in all of its, in all of its fullness still hasn't been fulfilled, even though Israel is a nation. It will not be fulfilled until Israel calls upon Christ as Lord and Savior and he sets up his kingdom then the promise will be 100% fulfilled. So even now, all of these thousands of years later, they're still waiting for the full fulfillment of the promise. Don't grow weary in following after God, but keep your eyes open. And the key here, Dr. Tony Evans says, is speaking in faith mm -hmm. as you walk in faith. Mm, yes. Now, I'm a lot like the brother in the Bible of the parable that Jesus told of two, two brothers, two sons. The one son, his father asked him to do something for him, to do some chores. And the one said, spoke and said, I will do those chores. Absolutely. And then he went on and done his own thing. The other son said, I am not going to do what you asked me, but later felt guilty and did it anyways. Now, 
We know which one was obedient to the father, the one that was, was said he wasn't going to do it, had a bad attitude, but did it anyways, rather than the one that lied. Here's the thing. Your speaking needs to match your walking. And a lot of times I walk and walk and just try to move forward, but my tongue is speaking about the past. I'm in complete contradiction of the way that I'm supposed to be walking my Christian life. I'm a walking contradiction. I'm that son. Uh, Father, I'm not going to do it, but then feeling guilty and doing it anyways. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And when you walk that way, you may be successful for a time, but ultimately you will fail. Why? Because you cannot have that split inside of you. That you cannot be a walking contradiction. It will eventually destroy you. And I've had to continue to learn that lesson over and over and over again. Every once in a while, the mouth and the feet line up, and you can tell that the mouth and the feet have lined up. I'm still learning how to make sure the mouth doesn't go off the rails. Because here's the thing, eventually your feet will follow your mouth. You can only not follow what's in your heart for so long. You could, until eventually that doubt and that discouragement that you buried way down deep takes over. And your feet can no longer match what God wants you to do, what you truly believe has surfaced through your mouth, and your feet will follow your mouth. So what we have to do is be willing to speak what God has promised and the truth of God's word and the truth of God's promises, and then also then walk in the truth of those promises. Amen. Now, it's no good to just speak about it either. We got a lot of people who like to talk about it, but not walk about it. Right. Come on now. Right? We got a lot of people that <coughs> live it and grab it, name it and claim it. Right? And they're, you know, like to talk about all kinds of things. They're just like that son. Dad, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then you go off and do your own thing with your feet. Your feet and your mouth must line up. And when we finally bring them into unison, then God can really start moving in our lives because we are now operating in 100% faith and dependence upon him. Amen. And the book of Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us about a bunch of people who were human and they made mistakes. But when they finally got their feet lined up with their mouth, they made huge impact on the world. Right. Abraham made mistakes. There were times when he allowed his feet to not go the path of the mouth. And he made mistakes. Sarah made mistakes. But ultimately, they got the two lined up, the inside and the outside. And when they did, God was able to move and fulfill the promise that he had for them. So that's what my prayer is for you today. And your prayer is for my prayer is for me today is that I would get my feet and my mouth lined up right. and walk in the promise that God has made and speak the promise that God has made. Amen. 
Yes. Amen. That's the key. That's the key. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.